my name's Todd. And this is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 658. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I have no idea. Will you tease the topic before I go into some other stuff? Sure. We're going to talk about um, a Zen Cohen, Cohen. Cone? Is it K- it's K-O-A-N. Do you say cone or cone? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> it's a Zen story or parable that teaches us something. They should call it Zen <laughs> stories or parables. Then. Anyway, we're going to talk about um, uh, a Zen parable. Oh, good. That, is, that ends with every day is a good day. Oh, wow. And um, But I also, in the midst of that, because this is something we have to deal with, confront, or acknowledge, a big part of Zen is disenfranchised grief. Mm. Um, I'm not saying disenfranchised grief is a part of Zen particularly, but what I mean is if we are going to embrace the reality of life, we also have to pay attention to disenfranchised grief. So I want to start with by saying every day is a good day because we're not just going to focus on grief, but I uh, really believe that grief and joy are intimately connected. And if we do not, if we try to avoid one or the other, we miss out on the opportunity to see the whole picture. You can't have one without the other, sweetie. Doesn't make sense. Um, But first, uh, Kathy wrote a book. When did it come out? February? February 1st. So it's been out about three months. Three um, months. You can listen to it on Audible or you can order it on Amazon or you can go to our webpage. I invite you to check it out. You do a, a Zen Parenting Moment, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about here, Root to Rise, mm-hmm. and it has to do with uh, Chakra One in your book. So let's tie these two things together. What is Root to Rise, my darling? Um, it's just the understanding, like I had a little picture of a tree, that if we are going to... Um, go into the world and, and tackle the world and, and deal with um, life or try to learn or try to grow, we have to be rooted first in who we are. We have to be rooted to the earth. Like there's spiritual and literal concepts here. Like you, there is a sense of feeling rooted or grounded in a spiritual sense, but there's also the really basic sense of, do you understand your belonging? Do you understand where you came from? Do you understand your history? Do you have roots in the ground where you get why you're here? That doesn't mean you have to know your job or like have a, you know, a sentence of this is why I'm here, but do you understand that there is, that your value is inherent? And then from that rooted place, it's a lot easier to go out into the world and um, help other people, you know, find success in whatever that means for you, or just to um, take on life. Kathy has her arms above her head, or she did. <laughs> she likes to talk with her hands. Was, if you want to watch trained. us talk into a microphone, you can just go to the show notes, and we record this on Zoom, and we upload it to Vimeo. So if you feel like watching a podcast, you can watch Kathy talk with her hands. Mm-hmm. That's fun. It's so fun. Um, can I quote you back to you? Sure. Rooting is about being mindful before making choices, about taking a breath and getting centered before acting. Before you say something to your partner or your kids, connect with your strong foundation. Even put your feet on the floor to feel it and decide if what you're about to say is essential. So there's a perfect like day-to-day example of like, um, you know, sometimes it's not just about going out and, and, you know, launching a new career. It's about, am I, what I'm about to say to my partner or my kids, is this essential? I need to kind of get rooted in myself and, and 
realize or recognize why I'm saying what I'm saying. And that ability to be rooted and grounded can, those little things can impact the big picture pretty significantly. Um, Zen Parenting and Men Living is co-sponsoring an event on Thursday, June 9th. And it is, uh, it's about the three different religions, the big ones, Muslim, Christianity, and Judaism. And I'm going to be facilitating a discussion and you're going to get an opportunity to ask questions if you join us. This is open to everybody, uh, regardless of gender or age. I know some of my friends are bringing their kids. It's the idea of, um, informing ourselves about the different religions. I think the more informed we are, the less fearful we are. Well, I look at this as being like a an hour-long comparative religion discussion that's live with people who actually know. practice yeah. and know and also see the value of understanding other people's religions. Yes. Because a lot of times when you talk to some people about their religion, they're very defensive about, you know, they don't see the overlap. But the three people that are involved mm-hmm. in this discussion actually understand where the intersections lie. It's going to be wonderful. Um, if you are interested, it's free. Just uh, click on the link in the show notes and you can sign up and ask your partner, bring your kids, do whatever you want to do. Um, I want to share something really quick. Last week, if you got my Zen Parenting moment, you saw, or if you're on social networking with us, you saw that I did an interview in LA um, on the Lewis House. Uh, podcast. It's called The School of Greatness. I'm not sure when it comes out. It was like a two hour long discussion. It was so enjoyable um, in that long form interviews. I don't think there's anything better to me. Yeah. Like to actually have a discussion about um, what you're interested in and what you're trying to teach because I've never really been a big fan of like really quick clips on yeah. TV shows and stuff because you can't get your point across. So that was really fun. So Todd went to LA with me last week and we we did that. And then there's all sorts of podcasts that I've done over the last couple months that are now coming out. And you can um, actually find all of those on our social networking, like um, like Instagram, it's in our bio, mm-hmm. um, in my newsletters on Parenting Moment, I'm sending things out. So there's all sorts. And, these, and the podcasts are, I'm on the podcast being interviewed, but then you might like the podcast itself sure. and then subscribe to these people who are amazing, who I've met along the way during this marketing campaign. So um, so I just want to share that. Sweet, sweetie. All right. Sweet. What are we talking about? So let's start with the with the Zen Cohen. Cohen. Figure out how I'm supposed Zen to say Zen Ethan Cohen. <laughs> well, um, it is... I actually love these, these uh, parables because they... Uh, the whole idea of Zen is that it can't be defined, meaning it is like an understanding that once you start to attempt to define it, it starts to lose its meaning. So these parables allow us to process what is trying to be explained in Zen without like pinning it down. Yeah. Okay. It's all gray. Exactly. So this is the, um, this is how it goes. And, and is I, it how long, is it a sentence? Oh, no, a it's paragraph? like a sentence. Okay. I don't ask you about before the 15th of the month. Try to say something about after the 15th. Human himself answered for everyone. Every day is a good day. So That's it? (laughs) Oh, boy. Here we go. So let me, it doesn't matter the one sentence in between. Listen to this part. I don't ask you about before the 15th of the month. Try to say something about after the 15th. 
every day is a good day. No idea what's going on. Okay, so I think what they're trying to say is, I don't need to hear about the past. Right. I'm and with you. try to even tell me about what's going to happen yeah, in the so future. So the second line where he talks about try to tell me after, he's not saying actually try to tell me after. He's saying go ahead and try because it has as little value as the before the 15th. Correct. Okay. So what that means is every day is a good day. And I really, the reason why I like this parable and I've been kind of wrestling with it for the last two weeks is I've been trying to find my way back to this understanding because I am someone who has really appreciated mindfulness and self-help and um, positive psychology and just the viewpoint of optimism mm -hmm. and that things work out. And and I still, that is like contained in me in a really deep way. Like I was, I was just telling someone the story about how when my grandmother passed away, my dad's mom, um, we cleaned out her house and I found, and this was kind of later on that I found these, they were packed away but I found all these notebooks that she had written in where she had like taken articles from Ms. Magazine or things that she had seen in the paper about optimism or about seeing a woman's viewpoint or about how to speak up for yourself. And she had just written all these things out. And I was just like, wow, that's what I've been doing since I was young. So sometimes you feel like it's in your DNA, like yeah. this viewpoint, right? But the challenge is, is that for like the last four or five years, I feel like we've been inundated with all these things where you kind of feel like you've got a bunch of like, <laughs> you're, you're trying to maintain this viewpoint of every day is a good day, but then you open up the news and you're like, gosh, it sure seems like we have a lot of things to concern ourselves with, not just in the world, but as parents, right? I mean, you and I just took a walk and we were just talking about how things just, one thing resolves, you know, it's whack-a-mole and then another thing comes up. And so I think that, but I'm wrestling with this idea that every day is a good day because it's what I really believe. Mm -hmm. Like I really, I think the world is challenging me to challenge this idea. Yeah. But what I, my, my root to rise moment, my grounding feeling is that every day is a good day because, and people can say, no, it's not because of all these reasons, but those are all surfacy. Mm -hmm. If you are here and you are breathing and there's a tree to look at, it's a good day. Yeah. Okay. Now you could probably challenge me with that, right? Sure. I mean, I think we all can saying, no, today's a bad day because this bad thing happened to me at work right. or this family member sick, or I'm just in a grumpy mood. So it's not a good day. Right. Exactly. And so what do you think about that though? I mean, don't just challenge me. Like, do you believe every day is a good day? Um, I think that when I am in a grounded place that I can come to the conclusion that every day is a good day. The problem is our ego, our brain evolution has evolved in such a way that we are trained to not look at the things that are going well. Instead, we are trained to think, uh, to focus on the things that are not going well. Right. So I agree with this Zen Cohen parable thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the way to arrive at that place is to breathe, you know, everything we've been talking about for X amount of years, mindfulness, 
waves, even when bad waves of bad news shows up, you know that those waves are going to dissipate back into the sea. And then when the wave, you know, carries you in such a loving way, even that's going to go away. So I guess I'm talking about impermanence now, but. Well, and it's very similar because yeah. if you're here breathing, you're here. Yeah. And so enjoy it because you won't always be here. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing that I think, so why I, I've appreciated wrestling with this is because this is, like I said, this is something I've taught and I believe in and I'm very grounded in. But I feel like I have been investigating how, for example, like certain teachers that I used to follow who are now not great teachers, meaning yeah. they're not saying great things, or certain organizations that I really believed in that became kind of cultish, mm -hmm. or certain experiences that maybe I had with you know an energy worker or somebody like that who was disappointing to me. And so then all these kind of ways that you looked at the world, you're like, I, and I have, and Todd will attest, I have done the deep dive in watching what cult figures do and what cults are like and how people get harmed and therapeutic practices that can be harmful. It's not all cult, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of it is people wanting power. Sure. So it can be very easy to go down that track of like, is anything real? Mm -hmm. You know, and and what I tend to find underneath all this rubble, because it really is like breaking down all of these ideas in your mind that there's one way to think. And then, you know, dealing with what people in the world are saying right now and how there's such a um, you know, there's such a desire to go backwards in time yeah. or there's such a desire to oppress certain groups of people. I know this has always been around. I know that for people of color, they're like, yeah, this is the reality. And I, I totally understand that. And as a woman, I can say, yeah, this isn't super new, but there's this feeling that it's just like this tempo that it, it's gotten faster. Yeah. And at the same time, I sorry, that's my phone going off. At the same time, when you break it down and you and you accept it as reality, which mm -hmm. is what Zen is, right? You see the reality of everything. There's certain things that still shine through that make every day a good day. Yeah. And I like, you know, one of these things that you know, talking about this parable, it's talking about living in the here of the moment to our lives as they are. As we come into our lives, we is as we accept things and embrace them and see things differently we we always get choices and the, our ability to live in the mystery and the flow and our ability to have resilience like this is really no different than everything i was writing about in the book send parenting but i feel like it gets anything that you believe in or that you have a devotion to needs to be continuously questioned mm -hmm. and i feel like i've been kind of um, I don't know, it's not been a game, but kind of dealing with that. And I think that shows up on the show with the things that we're talking about. But the good news is, is that even with this morning, I already cried about something like it's not like everything's resolved or healed, but it is like the sun comes up, the sun goes down. The, you know, the air, a lot of the time smells good, mm -hmm. not all the time, depending on where you live. But we have air to breathe. We have air to breathe. Um, we have choices that we can make. And I know that I do better when I am surrounded by people who are like, oh, there's endless possibility. 
Yeah. When I'm surrounded by people, and I'll just give Twitter a shout out for being these people, <laughs> because Twitter is very depressing, yeah. who are like, this is going bad, and this is going bad, and this is what this will mean, and this is what this will mean. I'm not denying that all those things can happen. <laughs> But I do much better with people who are like, yeah, this is real. This is happening. This is a threat. But you know what we can do? We can do this and we can try this. And what I will say, what I think our job is, you and I, mm-hmm. is to continue to offer those kind of ideas on a day-to-day basis with parents who are, you know, doing this kind of this this work. Um, taking care of children, taking care of ailing parents, taking care of the world, trying to figure out how to show up for people, how to be an activist, how to do their work well, how to like fight against a system that seems to not want people to thrive, to show up and say, it's not even being a cheerleader, it's saying there are other ways. Mm. And even if the world is not going to show you those ways today, you can choose these ways today. You don't have to be at the mercy of this system. What do you think? A few things. One is one of the quotes you shared a few minutes ago was like seeing things as they are. And I think most suffering, including my own, is usually there's a misalignment between the way something is versus the way I want it to be. Sure. Right. So that's the first thing is like, if we can just truly not attach to anything and just see things as they are and not tie any stories to it, then I think our suffering would be either gone or minimized. Well, and that's what the Zen parable is about, right? You know, you don't need to talk to me about what happened before the 15th mm-hmm. of June. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you can't even guess about what's going to happen after the 15th of June. Yeah. But what about right now? Yeah. And this is, and the thing is, is this, why this feels so enlivening to me is because we've been doing this show 11 years. We've been saying this a lot, Right. As somebody who has loved mindfulness, this has been my practice. This is something that I try to talk about and learn more about and read more about. And yet it comes into question all the time for me. Yeah. And I keep going after it. Like, honestly, I I go after this industry. I go out and, and I don't even know if I want to call it an industry or belief system or, you know, the Four Noble Truths, Truths and the Eightfold Path or chakras. I go after it and I'm like, is this... Is this helpful? Is this hurting people, helping people? And the thing is, is it comes, it always comes back to this really basic understanding is that we have right now and what we do with right now is what creates the next minute. Yeah. And that being afraid, um, which I am a lot, like the, the reason that I can go after these things and address these things is because I'm experiencing them. Well, when you and say go after, what do you mean? I mean, I am not afraid to read contradictory things that contradict what I'm trying to practice. Got it. People who don't think mindfulness is helpful, mm-hmm. people who go after positive psychology, conspiracy theorists who try to say, this is not good. Look at this. I will read about it. Mm-hmm. I will investigate yeah, it. Yeah, you'll investigate it. So my point is, is I am not, one thing that I don't appreciate is people who have a viewpoint and they are unwilling to look or investigate other viewpoints yeah. because they're afraid that their viewpoint will be questioned or that they will maybe not completely believe in their viewpoint. So they're not even going to look around. I will, I'll read it. I'll listen to it. I will even listen to a podcast that someone's like, oh, this will completely change your mind. And I'm like, okay, I'll listen to it. Um, And like I said, there's teachers I've had who 
a lot of people gang up on. And I'm like, okay, let me read what you have to say about this. I will look. But the bottom line is, is it's not about these specific human beings and it's not about the language that we call things. What lives underneath it is how do we manage our day-to-day experience? And one part of it is telling the truth about the moment, sure. which is what disen- I want to talk about disenfranchised grief. And another part of it is realizing that <laughs> this is going to sound like the guy behind the guy. Behind the, the guy. Behind the guy. Um, is there is a truth underneath all that truth. And the truth is all you have is right now. What are you going to do? And that doesn't mean that, you know, and, and then people jump all over it and say, but, you know, how do you manage what's going to happen tomorrow? And and how do you pay this bill? And how do you, all that's real too. But our sense of like groundedness, I'm glad you started with Root to Rise, is are there other possibilities? Are there other ways? Can things change? Well, they're going to change no matter what. That's something I know. Mm-hmm. Everything changes constantly. I watch a tree out my window every single day, and I always get a kick out of the new things on the tree. Sure. The tree does not remain the same. The bark comes off. The leaves fall off. The green sprouts come out. And then all of a sudden, there's a big green leaf, and then there's white things coming out of it. Like It's always changing, as are we as are our children, as is the world. We have um, a picture in our bathroom as you're entering our side door, and it's a picture of our three daughters, but they're kind of looking the other direction. And um, you, whatever, got it framed at one of those framing stores. And underneath it, it has a quote. And you might have to help me with it, but I think it's a spring comes and the grass grows by itself. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I always liked it. And that's a, that's a Zen proverb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you used that because as a parent, I sometimes feel like I need to be doing all of these things. So do I. And that doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but I feel like sometimes I have a little bit more control or influence than I actually do. And on the picture, it's like the girl's walking through the grass. So it, it appears to be a beautiful spring day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's just a good reminder for me in that... Um, we do all these things thinking that we're making all this impact when I think we can get as much value, if not more, if we sit back and let things happen. And I think that would scare the daylights out of a lot of people listening. Yeah. Because- Including me. Yeah. That's the thing is, and this is the things we want to wrestle with, right? I know what you mean by that what that Zen proverb says, you know, spring comes and the grass grows by itself. There is, like you said, an underneath um, belief and understanding that these kids are going to grow up with or without us. What we interject into the relationship is how they're going to manage themselves in the world. It's not about, did I get them this pair of jeans? And it's not about, did they get invited to the right birthday party? Mm -hmm. It's about how do they relate to themselves and other people? And do they have, and and there's no way to be continuously sure about that. I think the thing that if you know a tree changes and grows, then trust that your partner is going to change and grow. Recognize that your kids are going to change and grow and that you're going to change and grow. So it's not our ability to pigeonhole and say, this is how this person is and this is how I'm going to address them and this is what they need. It's I'm going to show up today and pay attention to what they need right this minute. Yeah. Because what they needed two weeks ago, two years ago, or what they will need in a year is completely different than right now. 
Um, I feel like when you were talking a little bit more deep earlier about, you know, the sun shines, mm -hmm. we breathe this air, it's really about gratitude. And for some reason, I just thought, I think, I don't know if it was this weekend or Friday, maybe, uh, Barack has this thing on Netflix where um, it's, he goes to all these national parks around the world. And there's this part where this, I don't know, it's like a little squirrel thing or something. And first of all, nature is just unbelievable. Absolutely. Like I've been watching nature channels forever and this Netflix series, I forget what it's called. I think it's called the World's, national parks. World's national parks yeah. or something like that. Please watch it with your family. It's really good. What what station is it? It's on Netflix. Let me see what, what station. station. It's Netflix. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's this kind of cool looking squirrel in Africa and he needs to eat and he finds these snails. <laughs> And the snail has a hard shell, so you can't get to him. Okay. Did you see this? No. Oh, my God. So what he does, so he can't get to it because it's a hard shell. And, like, the guts of the snails, like, Inside. the nutrition that this squirrel needs to survive. So he developed this trick where he takes it and he, like, you know, a center on a football team will hike the ball uh -huh. between his legs to the quarterback behind him. Uh -huh. He hikes the snail with such velocity onto a hard surface oh. to the point where it cracks the shell and then he can go in and eat the snail. Okay. And I just said to myself, like, I'm so glad I'm not that snail. Right. Like we all could be all these different creatures in this world. Like is, is this snail in Africa, it, that's, a, that's a living thing. I could have been born into the snail that gets whacked against something and gets eaten by the squirrel in Africa. But instead, I'm this person that gets to kind of like, I don't know, fall off my skateboard like I just did yeah. four, four minutes ago before we started. It, it's actually not your skateboard. It's the girl's it's skateboard. It's not a skateboard. It's a... Rip. Uh, Ripstick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally fell on my you butt. You got to loosen up when you do You got to loosen up. You're like... You're like... You've got to like let go. Talk about a mindfulness practice. When I watch you do it, because in the ripstick, you got to go back I'm and forth. I'm working on He's it. so like tight. Rigid. Rigid. Yeah. Because you're probably worried you're going to fall, which you just did. Yeah. So it's like, what if you like let go? Yeah, I got to go like, with the flow. Be dancey. I, I'm working on it. Okay. A little bit at a time. I'd like to see you get on that I, stupid thing. It's a good point. I am not on the ripstick. So um, the bottom line is I'm glad I'm not the snail that gets whacked against a hard surface by that squirrel in Africa. But you know what I would venture to guess with this underneath truth that we're talking about is that that snail is fine being who it of is. Of course. Because it part understands its When that snail is about to get killed and eaten, I don't think he is well, suffering. Well, not conscious. Well... What do you mean he's not conscious? There is consciousness. You mean that awake? You mean like literally awake? Or? Human beings have consciousness yes. where we're aware that we're aware. Right. That snail is not aware it that it's aware. It is not aware. suffering. Correct. I think it's probably painful to get picked apart by a squirrel's teeth. Yeah. I mean, but he's in pain, but he's not suffering. Whereas we are suffering yeah. as human beings um, in a way that animals don't do. Well, and I don't know this for sure, but what's so interesting about the animal kingdom is there's a lot of, um, they eat they eat each other, that's just the way it goes, yeah. but there's a lot of grace in it where they will not allow it to feel, that, like it will, it'll... The lion will it, kill the gazelle by choking it so correct. it's not in pain, correct. blah, blah, blah. That, is grace the right word? There's a lot of... Um, 
I know what you're trying it's to say. It's structured in such a way so it's not all like agony yeah. and suffering. Right. It's like, a, yes, I am going to eat you, but I'll do this first and then. I always wonder, because you know how the squirrels in our backyard will um, dig a hole yeah. in the thing? And then What's I, in the thing? In the garbage can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'll go get the avocados because they love avocados. You just said dig a hole in the thing. Like dig, we were gonna dig know. a hole in the garbage can <laughs> right by the garage. Yes. And... Um, I remember I it was so big, I ended up having the city replace it with a new... Right. And I just wonder what the squirrel was thinking, like, the next morning, right. like, oh, there's a garbage can, I'm going to have breakfast through this hole that I dug. Right. And then the hole's not there. It's like a fully equipped garbage can. I just wonder if the squirrel's like, that sucks. I'm starting... Well, I think that's being conscious, where to the squirrel, it's in the moment. So it's like the hole, there is no hole. I will start to bite and create a hole. Yeah, he's I just going to start over. I don't think it's like mad. Yeah. We put all these human traits on animals. And again, people can argue with me about dogs, elephants, dolphins. There are certain... Feel emotions. Yeah, who actually feel things that are... For the know, most part, yeah. the, the natural world is not caught up in the same way us humans are. Right. And they have more evolved brains, but they're still not quite where, you know, we're conscious. Or, brains. yeah, which is kind of funny because if we wanted our un our, get our earth to thrive, mm -hmm. all we got to do is get rid of us and then everything will be Everything okay. would go back to its natural way of being. Yeah. So my favorite part in the, um, the national parks thing was there's these hippos that go into the water. And I don't know if you guys know, but hippos can be underwater. For a long, long time, for like five time. minutes. Yeah. yeah. They like love to be, they spend most of their life in water. And in this certain ecosystem at this national park, the hippos go in the water and then they poop in the water. Oh, yeah. And all the fish eat the poop, right? Yeah, we could be those fish eating hippo poop. Well, but that's not even the best part. So they're showing us this hippo is pooping and all the fish are eating it. The best part is when the hippo is done eating, the hippo opens its mouth. Oh, yeah, that's right. As wide as it can. And the fish go into its mouth and eat the leftovers around its teeth. Yeah, like it's the, his version of flossing. And the hippo's fine with it and is not eating the fish. Yeah, the fish could uh, be very distrustful right. saying, I'm not putting my body in that hippo's mouth. But instead they have like this... This inherent agreement, like, all right, I need to get all this crap out of my teeth. So, fish, I'm going to open fish. my mouth open as wide as I can. You can go and eat my leftovers. You can eat my leftovers. And they're all happy because yeah. they're probably like, it's different than the poop. Yeah. And it reminded me like how we kind of have a deal with the birds when we're driving and we drive and then they fly away. Yeah. Except when they don't. Except for the pigeons in that Seinfeld. Not that one. Um, JC and I were driving onto 290 and there was a morning dove mm. just sitting right in the road. And I'm like, you know, we got a deal. We got a deal. And I pull right up to that morning dove and it's not going to move. Yeah. The, so I had to go around it. The morning doves are not the brightest candle on the cake. <laughs> and the reason we know that is because we saw their nest and their nest is some like disheveled. It's like three sticks. It's like a handful of sticks. Like a robin's nest is so beautiful. It's like tightly and wound. And it's like stuck together with all stuck this Stuck together. Dirt. Yeah. And the morning doves are like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to throw some sticks here. I'm just going to lay some eggs and then. Now, what I will say is that there is obviously a reason for that, that the morning dove has evolved in such a way where it doesn't need the what the robin has because 
we are talking about a morning dove that was on our deck. Yeah. We watched the whole thing. You yeah. know, there are three sticks. We're like, are they going to finish that nest? Yeah. No. And those babies were born and we watched them bail. There they were. So it's all they good. Didn't, they didn't need that tight so nest. So are we being bird judges? Uh, for sure. We are totally bird judges. Yeah. And the morning dove, it, it, it says dove. I remember like dove was a big uh, bird in the Bible. Uh huh. And I always kind of felt that it had this grace about it. Uh huh. And then I had a good look on the morning doves. They kind of have a cool they have sound a they make. Great sound, yeah. But yeah, they're just uh, they're they're not as high class as I thought they were. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Yes. I don't agree with you. Sorry probably. for all the morning dove yeah. lovers out there. We just had some funny experiences with morning doves. So okay, so this is what I want to talk about. Um, next is talk about disen- disenfranchised grief. And I have no idea what that means. I know. Um, how do I say this? Uh, let's see. It's like a kind of grief that is not acknowledged or recognized as being worthy of grieving about, or it's, yes, you're grieving, but we all are, so deal with it, or it doesn't make sense to me mm. why you're grieving. Mm. Okay, so let me throw some examples out at you. Some obvious ones are your pet dies and you're really upset and people are like, it's just an animal. Do I have to bring up Nancy Bird right now, sweetie? Um, just about the... Did, she... Didn't one of your college roommates uh, get really sad and Nancy's like, buck up, it's just a cat or well, something like that. And this is an interesting way, thing to look at is that she grew up on a farm. Yeah. So her experience with animals, it wasn't that she has a dog now that she loves. So yeah. it's not that she doesn't care, but her experience with animals was quite different mm-hmm. when you grow up on a farm. Yeah. And so that, yes, that did happen. Whose I think it was about a died? cat. Um, it was our friend Nicole's cat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of empathy for Nancy. Well, on that one. I think she, it wasn't like, I don't empathize with you, but this is a good example of like, I don't ex- have the same experience you do. And yeah. there's a reason why both of them are having different experiences. Sure. And so it's not right or wrong. It's just, can we see each person's perspective? Right. And so, but little it's all- empathy. Yeah, a little. So it, there's empathy inside the empathy. See, mm-hmm. we're getting really deep in here. Yes. That's why things are, you know, can, when you're seeing somebody challenged to empathize or challenged to be compassionate, can you dip below that and be like, why is this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you see it? And then you're like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. So the other part though, that I've been, as I was saying before, wrestling with is that I have been experiencing a disenfranchised grief of like the way my viewpoint had, I've had to question my viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I kind of was going along in life and like, oh, you know, and again, I'm being too flippant about it, but like I make vision boards and I practice meditation and I'm using my essential oils and I'm doing this and life is beautiful and things are good. And this is the way to live. And then everyone will feel good. And over the last, like, I don't know, there's been many different avenues in my life. I just think it's been most sustained for the last five years or so, I've been like having a grief of like, oh, my viewpoint's not always true. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's been a sense of like a loss and we can just talk about, oh, the political system doesn't so work the way when you say my viewpoint is, isn't always true, do you mean that your perspective on the way things were isn't true because like you have your truth, everybody else has their right. own truth. So I just need you to kind of yeah, I can help um, me with that. My perception of that certain things would never happen mm-hmm. has been challenged. Yeah, 
that my belief is I have a big truth and trust thing, that truth is what we're all going for and that everybody wants truth. Um, that has been challenged. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have believed that what we need to do is trust certain structures, you know, um, politicians, whatever, so things can get done. Yeah. And that's been questioned. Um, and, 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 and again, what I have to insert though in that is that these are human beings. Like when we're talking about a structure and we can say, well, it's always been broken. I totally can hear everyone's perspective on this. Again, when it comes to people who have been, when a system has been set up to fail them, I can understand why they're like, I have never believed that. Mm -hmm. So I I see that. And that's been part of my process of learning is like, I had kind of a very naive viewpoint. So I've had to question that. Um, and just believing like there are certain things I'm like, oh, you know, people get fearful about this, but this would never, I never thought we'd have a pandemic. Did you? No. So not in our lifetime. No way, man. Was I, and, and are we right now dealing with it and are we resilient and are we finding new ways and were vaccines developed and did a lot of things come through? Yes. And I'm so grateful for that and I see it. But there's also an underlying grief. There's a grief that's hard for me to talk about where I'm like, wow, I really preferred my viewpoint before where things just looked right. <laughs> rosy or that simple. I had simple. Yeah. And, um, and but it doesn't mean there is also a truth under that truth, which is that even when things go really bad, there are people that show up. There are new ways. There are vaccines. There are So it's like... There is a hope underneath that grief as well. Mm, right. And this is why this is a very deep well, is it's hard to dive down and look at all these things. Um, and it's hard to question, like I, like I said, I preferred my old, or I don't know. I mean, I'm saying I preferred my old pers- well, you, perspective. Well, I think we all want, uh, we feel safe when we have a belief structure that is in alignment with what exists. Right. And you had a you have had some of those belief structures challenged. Right. And when that happens, it gets us afraid. Right. Or we become afraid. And that's why like some of the things that I watch or listen to about teachers that are not helping students or actually harming them or power hungry leaders that are not really trying to help a group. They're just trying to take their money. I have to look at it because before I thought, oh, these things, these things are set up and I had such a kind of a spiritual nature about me. Like we need to go outside of the norm and do these other things. And then I'm like, oh geez, like that got a little carried away. Yeah. Like where things, people like got so outside of the norm that we had no middle ground anymore. Sure. We had no like, we had no rooting. Mm-hmm. We got unrooted. But then there's this belief under that belief that we can replant and reroot maybe in a better way. Sure. That's kind of what I felt like with and this is still going on, you know, racial justice issues is like, if we look at the truth and we uproot things that are not working when it comes to racial justice or misogyny or sex, sexual assault for men and women, um, you know, boys and girls, then we can replant in a healthier way. Sure. But I think that's where battles are being fought is a lot of people are like, we don't want to replant. Mm-hmm. We like the system the way it is. But I'm trying to find this is kind of where I am now at 50 years old is I'm trying to find those common threads that still exist. Even when you're looking at things that can be really difficult or taking in, you know, like, you know, Zen in itself is like the ability to look at 
reality and see the truth and then inside of that, how are you going to be? How are you going to show up? Um, I feel like I've shared this quote many times on the show and maybe this will be helpful or maybe it won't. Uh-huh. Um, the difference between pain and suffering. Okay. Pain is when your model of the world does not match your reality. Right. That's when we're in pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Suffering happens when our model of the world does not match our reality and mm -hmm. we feel powerless to do anything about it. So that was helpful to me because there is, a, you know, we talked about animals. I, I think animals feel pain. I don't know if they suffer the way us humans do. Um, I feel like I'm, pain is actually not a bad thing. Pain is there to probably help teach us something. Suffering is where we get caught and we have this disempowered idea of like, oh, we there's nothing we can do about it. Whatever cause we happen to be fighting, as long as we feel like we are moving towards the goal of whatever that cause may be, whether mm -hmm. it's raising kids or having a peaceful world, um, as long as we have a belief system that we're doing something about it, then I think we'll be suffering less, but maybe there's plenty of pain, pain and, to go around. And that's exactly, I mean, that's a really great example because that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is like, what do I personally thrive in? Um, what helps me to thrive or to see the world and the perspective um, that makes me feel like I can contribute something to the world? And I was willing and continue to be because I still read everything um, to look at other people's perspective and and the people who are like, this isn't going to work out and this is going bad. And, I, and I'm, I'm reading and I understand people's perspective because this has been their history <laughs> or this has been someone who's looking at the news every day. They're like, this is all I see. So I get that, but I know that doesn't help me. <laughs> and if I'm so I think about this show, what do I really want to share? And it's this, like I, the way I started where I really believe that we are innately, inherently good and that we all come here just like the squirrel and the morning dove and the little, what's the, what does he eat? The snail. The snail. I actually have it pulled up. You want to see it? Um, sure. All right. But seeing it is not going to be helpful for the podcast. Well, I know. It's, this is just for the people that happen to be watching us right now. Well, how long is it? It's not long. Okay. So Do you here's see the squirrel. Okay. He's got the shell. Oh, and he just. They use the wooden logs. He's like whipping it. To smash the snails against. It sucks to be a snail. Oh. Sabo is one of the few places where this behavior has been observed. That's crazy. And he's just hiking the snail through his <laughs> legs to to crash the, the snail's shell in such a way that he... And we can look at that with different... You keep saying, it sucks to be a snail, I wouldn't want to be a snail. Do we... Whose perspective are we taking? Because the squirrel is actually very thoughtful about mm -hmm. figuring out a way to eat. Most and economical way of eating, it's right? It's moving with its natural rhythms. Circle of, this of is life. This what I do. Yep. Just like the fish who are willing to swim into a hippo's mouth. Mm -hmm. And the hippo who is not biting down on these fish, but is like, yeah, this is my dental hygienist situation as I invite these fish in. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm trying to find a place, and I think we all are, this isn't you and I, but in 
seeing what's happening and having real things that we do, like I, you know, getting vaccinated and um, making sure we lock our doors at night and making sure we stop at stop signs and understand that, you know, paying attention to what people need. We need to, all those things are real. Sure. And at the same time, we can have our own like ways of, of processing the world and our own ways of making sure that we can keep going. Like we can live within this society and, and see the truth and know what we have to do and also be like, and I'm going to look through a lens. Like the thing is, is I don't want to have the depressions that I've had in the past where I've gotten so low mm -hmm. that I've realized that all that's important is me just sitting outside breathing air. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and those are not places I want to be kicked back to, to learn something that I've been taught over and over and over again. Yeah. And I, I want to be able in, in the midst of a less, I mean, we've had so many crises, but we'll just say in our own lives, sure. you and I, to show up and, and take care of the things that need to be taken care of and, and speak up and do all those things and acknowledge the pain and also be process. like- Process. Yes. And also be like, though, I'm going to appreciate the good things yeah. because that's how then I keep doing the other things. Nothing that I'm saying right now is new, yeah. but I'm feeling it differently. Mm -hmm. So this is what I mean is like everything is a cycle. I maybe was talking about mindfulness five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but I was doing it for different reasons, reasons that I thought were valid and sure. real, but they were coming from a different perspective. Now I'm like, oh, this is still real, but I'm feeling it through a different process of, wow, we've hit the floor mm -hmm. on a lot of things. And the only way to get through this is to do this. So it's no more about being special or like, oh, look at this meditation or what bell do you ring when it's none of that crap. Yeah. It's, this is really the only, it's the truth below the truth. Sure. Yeah. It's the guy behind the guy. Behind the guy. Behind the guy. Behind the guy. Um, I am 100% on board and I feel like all this stuff is here for our learning. And I don't, I feel like you're about to go there, but maybe you didn't. Um, these lessons are going to keep popping up until we transform them. And some lessons will be learning forever. Like we'll, that we'll never get. Right. But I think we as human beings are here. I judge that we're here to evolve, to take everything that happens to us and to use it and to learn from it and to give purpose around it and to be more loving and compassionate and kind and peaceful and mindful in the world. And if we continue like to run up against that brick wall, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, then that's when, you know, we're talking about pain and suffering. That's when that happens is that we keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping that something different happens. So every crappy thing that happens to us, our kids get disappointed, our kids get sad, our spouse is angry with us or whatever. It is all here for our learning. And that doesn't mean that we don't have emotions around these, these, ha these things when they happen. Like when our kid gets hurt at school, there's sadness, there's probably anger and the idea is to process through it. And then afterwards, how do we, how do we transform that? Mm -hmm. How do we use that mm -hmm. as an opportunity to teach or an opportunity to learn something about ourselves? Like how do we get when our kids get, um, have a bad day? Like it's all here for our learning. But I think most of the times I fall into victim consciousness or villain consciousness and I get mad at the world or I get mad at myself. 
Um, I know that I know some of these things that should be happening, but to practice them is a whole different ballgame. And I think to add <clears throat> a layer to that is that everything you're saying is true, and I agree. And then there's this level of burnout when you have to do that over and over and over and over again, where you, we as a society, you know, you know, you guys are going to be in lockdown for two weeks and then we're going to all get back to the world and we're still dealing with mm -hmm. issues of the pandemic. And, and the pandemic is not just about the fear of sickness. It's about what it's done to businesses, what it's done to schools, what it's done to it, it's so and we constantly have to be like, I'm growing, I'm evolving, I'm learning. And there's a real burnout. Sure. And, and personally, as a woman in this day and age, I am burned out of people disregarding yeah. women's opinions yeah. and disregarding women's rights. Um, I have always felt that way, but it's like so times 10 right now. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it so nonchalantly, like, oh yeah, this is going to happen. And it's like, does everyone know what this means? Yeah. And and then add on top of that, like we said, um, issues around race, issues around culture, issues around people's con you know conspiracy <laughs> challenges where they believe anything that people tell them or they believe a news report or, or excuse me, like a, a common commentator on a news station and they think that he's right mm -hmm. versus all this information around them. And then they've got their kids and then their parents and then their community and then their job. It's just like everything you're saying is true. But what we also need to add to it is we are here to grow and we are here to evolve. And sometimes, but these things sometimes pile up Yeah, where we're like, God, we need a break. Yeah. And so what does a break mean? It For me, what I found, because there's real breaks, like I'm going to take a week off work or I'm going to go to bed early or I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, take a walk. Like there's things we can do, but there's also like my mind needs a break. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Right now, do right now. I've been saying this forever, but it feels different to me right now. Mm -hmm. And it's still difficult. Yeah. But sometimes we the structures that were like, yeah, I tried that. It feels different in a certain time where I'm like, I literally cannot take on another issue that I feel like I need to resolve. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that I feel like, you know, part of my challenge, you know, and I'm work, I work on this in therapy is thinking that I'm supposed to work on everything. Sure. You know? Um, yeah. Trying to be everything to trying, everybody. Right. And that that's impossible too. Yeah. Um, there's your burnout right there. Right. And that there is a guilty feeling of if everything's not okay, do I have the right to feel good? Yeah. And I think there's a difference in, in finding a contentment, a peace, a joy, because you want to keep going versus I'm going to party and forget about what's happening to you people. Sure. That's not what is happening. It's more like I got to find some peace and joy and notice the sun and watch the sun go down and look at the tree because I really think we're all inherently good. Yeah. And I would like to keep focusing there. Um, but I can only do that if I, whatever my version of rest is. And so to everybody listening, your version of rest might be literal. Like you need to go to bed earlier. You need to take a break, some vacation, some time to yourself, some time with your partner, some time with your kid. Or it might be thinking differently, questioning your thinking, going to therapy, practicing mindfulness, um, you know, getting into AA, getting into Al-Anon, um, allowing other people to help you, um, 
And that that is your version of rest is that you need a break from your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say, not just think differently, but feel differently. Feel differently, which they're interconnected, right? Yeah. And I had something come up for me last week and I had a hard time feeling my feelings and I'm continuing to try to work on it. Um, But yeah, it's not just about the cognition. It's like, can we shift our ability to emote and express emotion? So that's, that's, that's something I'm working on because I feel like my brain has a lot of knowledge that it can apply, but unless your body's kind of on the same page, it doesn't really work that well. Well, in my book, like the last, uh, when I'm talking about chakra seven and our connection to others and everything is my last thing I write about is devotion. And I use that instead of practice or self-aware or devotion to yourself. Mm-hmm. And as I just said, that looks different depending on the day or the hour. Like people who are like, I have a mindfulness practice and I do it 20 minutes every single day and I never stop and I never, and I go for a jog every day for an hour. That That's not devotion yeah. to self. That's either superstition or that is like control mm. of I'm going to do this thing every day. In le- I mean, I'm saying that and I don't know. Every individual person has their reason. So I'm sure. not saying if you do it every day, you're, in con- you're controlling. I'm just saying sometimes it can become like if I skip a day, something bad will happen. Yeah. Devotion is I'm willing to look at what's happening right now, very similar to Zen, and see what I need here rather than I'm just going to run faster, run further, meditate longer, meditate deeper. It's like, is that really what I need or do I need a break from that? Do I need books? Do I need to talk? Do I need something else? And I wanted to read um, something about Zen that I really like. It says... um, People that come to Zen are looking to gain peace of mind and mental clarity through things like meditation. But Zen begins with an understanding that human beings do suffer. And it offers solutions to this suffering through recognizing the interconnectedness of all beings and learning to live in a way that aligns with that truth. And what does that mean? It's going to mean something different to every single person listening. It could be, you know what? To me, that means a better relationship with my partner, mm-hmm. or it means, ooh, I better start focusing on these things I'm ignoring. Yeah. Or it could be, wow, I really want to start giving to an organization that that helps take care of children, yeah. or I need to start working in a place where I'm helping dogs. Like, It's understanding the interconnectedness and that we contribute to that. We either pull from that and like take and take and take and take and take to try and fill ourselves up. Or we become part of the big picture solution, and a big picture solution means a personal solution. Yeah, do what makes you come alive. Exactly. And if you guys are interested in reading more about this, the if you already have my book, the whole first chapter is about Zen, and it does a deep dive. That every time I go back and read it, I'm like, I took probably two months writing that Mm. because it was so. How do you write about something that you're not supposed to write about? Yeah. Like that has no definition. So that's really big. Or there's like, I mean, I am not someone who's been trained. I am someone who studies. So finding actual teachers of it, you know, you know, Googling it and mm-hmm. finding books. And I have a great book by Thich Nhat Hanh that I love about understanding Zen. But even if you don't want to go into the word Zen, mindfulness. Right. Um, meditation, sleep. Like I don't care where you go with this. Um, you know, Emotional awareness, emotional agility, self-regulation, all of these things and devotion to yourself, whatever mm. that means. And I'm I'm actually going to, I put it on my 
list of things to do today. I'm going to burn a lot of my um, post-it notes and a lot of my stuff in my wish jar. And I mean this in a good way, like, and put it back into the universe. And I have to kind of reboot. I want to do a re, I'm going to redo my vision board. Um, I can feel that things are changing. And I mean that in a good way. Like I'm trying to find a new perspective. And a lot of the things I've been looking at, I'm ready to release and start again. So sometimes we have to do that. Nice. Um, two things I want to mention is next week we're going to be interviewing Ben Feller. Mm. Uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Ben Feller's yeah. next week. He wrote a children's book. It's awesome. We had a fun time with Ben. And then we also have a Zen talk a week from today, Tuesday. Well, can I go back to Ben sure, Feller? Because you're not explaining who he is. He was a White House correspondent. Um, he was like the chief, wasn't he? Like the He was for the... Uh, AP, Associated Press. Associated Press uh, under the Bush administration and the Obama administration. And so he used to be one of those people in the press conferences asking the questions. And then he is continues to be a writer and he um, is he wrote this children's book that's really good because it's about his relationship with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, we are interviewing a lot of dads about their sons and yeah. their relationship with their sons. We've got Michael Ian Black coming up in about a month. Yeah. Um, and then next Tuesday, uh, Team Zen, uh, we talk with a few of our listeners a few times a month. If you're interested, uh, go to um, zenparentingradio.com. What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing at you just said Team Zen. We talk with, uh, we just don't do a good job explaining Team Zen. Never have. <laughs> the best part of what we do to is getting to spend time with our listeners and we have an awesome community of parents who come together over at team Zen. It's a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents. Yeah. Is that, that better? Was, yeah. That, I mean, just problem is I have to read it. I know. And it doesn't sound as authentic, but when we just try and talk about it and you might get some free swag. Yeah, we just sent out some free swag. So that's a week. And just so you guys know, our last Zen Talk, Zen Talk 143, we talked about porn and consequences. Zen Talk 142, we talked about sibling rivalry. And Zen Talk 141, we talked about reluctant partners. Who knows what we're going to talk about on Zen Talk 144 because and the teammates ask the questions. Because who knows what happens after June 15th? We can't guess. No, we can't. We can't guess what happens before June 15th. Before or after. We just know June 15th. We just know that every day is a good day. That's right. That's the cone, remember? I know. Yeah. Should we just bring it a full circle? I'm trying to bring it full circle. But I will say that what I appreciate about our Teams End discussions, because really, you can just come and listen. You can, you'll get it in the form of a podcast, even if you don't show up live. So you get to listen to the discussions. You get to ask questions. People support each other. And you just feel less alone. Yeah. So, I mean, if you... That should be our tagline. Feel less alone. Feel less alone. Because honestly, people come and they ask questions and they're so nervous. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I went through that. And here's what I did. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going through that too. Thank you for asking that question. And we're just... I think we're all, I find that isolation, I, I can tell when I haven't talked with other parents because I start to feel like everything is not a mohill, it's a mountain. Sure. You know, and then you talk with other parents and you're like, oh, um, and it has nothing to do like, yeah, I'm a therapist and I'm trained in all these things, but I'm having my own emotional experience with parenting or life or, you know, and I get, I get supported by other people who are like, yeah, 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 me too. I'm like, thank you. I just feel more, it normalizes, right, Toddy? That's right, sweetie. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, ben Feller next week, Michael Ian Black a few weeks from now, and then Kathy and I in between and Team Zen next Tuesday. Hopefully you guys join us. Adios, keep trucking. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.